And that's Sankomota talking about uh, greed. I don't know whether we should uh, pin it to uh, greed, this kind of conversation we're about to have. And uh, corruption thrives in in, uh, environments where there is little or no trust. Um, So how do we rebuild South African institutions? And uh, joining us on the line right now is Dr. Tim London, who is a senior lecturer at uh, University of Cape Town's Graduate School of Business. Good afternoon and welcome, Dr. Good afternoon, Kishela. Thanks for having me. Ma'am, before we even get to the crux of, of this conversation, uh, why do you personally believe that, uh, uh, you know, it's understandable that there's little faith or none whatsoever in South African institutions? I, I mean, I think um, we've become much more informed over the last uh, probably 10 years, social media and the, the ability of the news to be spread much wider. We're much more informed about uh, what things are actually happening in companies, whereas 10, 15 years ago, unless you were sort of an insider, Mm. you might not know. Um, So I think to some extent, uh, this might be depressing, but I think a lot of the bad behavior that's lost in trust um, isn't new. Um, Our ability to find out about it uh, is kind of new. And, you know, when you find out about giant payoffs to people when they've done wrong, Mm. uh, when you find out about corruption, um, when it seems to be in the news on a regular basis, um, it's it's going to naturally just decrease the amount of trust you have in, in the people who run those organizations and the organizations themselves. Now, in, in your view, I keep going back to your view because this is what you are going to be presenting, um, Doctor, that when when we reflect on how we um, engage in issues of corruption, uh, it, do we engage from a a premise uh, that corruption is a new phenomena and only in South Africa? No, and I mean, I think that's one of the things sometimes, you know, I've lived in a bunch of countries and I think everyone thinks, um, you know, whatever is happening in that country is unique to that country. But, Mm. uh, you know, I can certainly vouch for the fact that having lived in, you know, the UK, uh, the US and Egypt and Saipan, um, you know, South Africa is not the first uh, country to, put, to face corruption. Uh, it's obviously facing it on a, on a very large scale at the moment. I will say, um, you know, this level of state capture that we've seen in, in the public enterprises, um, that is quite uh, remarkable in, yeah. in a bad way. It's, um, that is relatively unusual. But the, but the core tenets of it, which is um, there's a small percentage of people who have and a large percentage who do not have um, you know, these the splits, obviously South Africa is one of the worst coefficients for that. Um, but, Amer- you know, so the Gini coefficient, um, which is the gap between essentially the haves and the have-nots, is the highest in the world in mm. South Africa. Um, but to be honest, the UK, uh, the US, they're not terribly far behind either. So I think we're seeing this issue of, um, you know, the people in power increasing their power and their wealth. Yeah. And the people who aren't in that uh, in the in that country club, uh, not getting access uh, and feeling like they don't ever have chance to have access for them or for their children or their grandchildren. I think that's where the the real problem becomes. Sure, I, I think I, I have to thank Twitter um, because I don't know whether it's good or bad. I've always believed that uh, the U.S. was um, such a perfect environment until Tr- Donald Trump happened, and uh, now we get exposed to all sorts. So, in your talk, um, are you going to acknowledge uh, perhaps? the corruption that happened um, that was apartheid? Yeah, and I mean, I think that's the, the, the one of the things I like to start my talks with, the premise that, uh, again, this, these are not, uh, you know, if you're planning to do business some other place other than South Africa, you're going to have to deal with these issues as well. Mm. Um, and I think it's figuring out what's at the core uh, root of those things. So as I say to people, um, you know, in my talk, I talk about what's the organization's purpose 
Um, in, in essence, why does that organization exist? Um, and why, uh, what's your purpose? Why are you there? Why mm. do you want to work there? And what are the organization's values? What's most important to them? Uh, and I think that's something that, again, in a lot of every country that I know of, where that gets lost, that's where the corruption starts to come in because then everyone is just out for themselves yeah, yeah. because they don't know how we all fit together. And if I don't know, Chris Elder, if I'm working with you and I don't know really what you do and I don't particularly invested in, in what you care about, then if I can do something that, that helps me put food on the table, then I don't really feel as badly about taking it from your table. Um, whereas if we have that shared sense of purpose, that shared sense of values, um, that becomes a consideration. And I think we're, we're dealing with that in every country. We, we don't worry about that, and we should. And indeed, we should. Uh, when we return from the spot break, um, Doc, I'd like, I'd like us uh, to just focus on uh, did South Africa quantify um, the damage from the system that was apartheid? I know that this is not going to be the crux of your conversation, but I'm of the idea and belief that if your first turn is wrong, it doesn't matter how accurately you follow the rest of the direction. You'll never reach your destination. Call Chris Salda now, 0891-104-207. We invite you to join the conversation also on um, Twitter and Facebook at SAFM Radio, and you can hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live or SMS us at uh, 409-38, charged at 150. Now, on the 4th of September, which is today, and we're so grateful that you were able to take our call, Doctor, an estimated 5,000 CEOs, professionals, industry experts, and entrepreneurs um, from around the world are attending uh, a 250 master classes uh, and talks at the Sentin Convention Center uh, for Leaderex uh, 2018. And the talk of uh, particular interest this year will be given by Dr. Tim London, who's joining us right now on the line as we talk about uh, I mean, how do we regain trust in, in South African institutions? Uh, Doctor, mm-hmm. we, before we took a break, I mean, I wanted to find out if uh, without going back to look at what was wrong with that system, especially when it excludes others and uh, making reference to what you've already mentioned, that the gap between the haves and, and the have-nots is widening. Yes. Um, so that's something that unfortunately we're seeing globally. Um, as I said, South Africa, there's a measure for this called the Gini coefficient, the G-I-N-I. Um, so if anyone has access to the web, if you just type that in, um, what it does is it calculates for uh, the world, so for every country, uh, essentially the gap between uh, the richest part of that country and the, and the poorest part of that country. Mm-hmm. South Africa has traditionally been among the worst, uh, and it is at the moment the worst for that, which just means that gap is huge. Um, the more troubling bit, uh, as I mentioned before the break, is uh, when we look at those numbers going back a few years, we see that that gap is actually widening, um, not just in South Africa, but in places like the U.S. and the U.K. Um, as you mentioned, for a long time, I think the, the perception was um, that in America and some other countries, maybe it was a very level mm. playing field. Um, but actually, that's, you know, it's more level than some places. Um, but again, just like anywhere else, it, it helps to, depending on who you know, not just what you know. Um, you know, if your family has money, it tends to keep money and make more money. If it doesn't, it's hard to break into those circles. So that bit is fairly universal. Um, and I think one of the things that, that I'm quite interested in is how do we break some of that cycle um, to give more people access 
to, to, to more opportunities. Not that yeah. everyone will be, you know, fabulously wealthy, but how do we give them access to those opportunities um, to have a better shot? Absolutely, and be transparent enough to perhaps avoid um, uh, corruption. Let's take Sizwe in Emalathleni. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to uh, Lunch- Lifetime Live. Hi, Chriselda. Uh, I just want to ask your, uh, your guest, um, especially uh, talking about the institutions and state capture, mm. uh, I, 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 I'm of the opinion with many, uh, with some of South Africans that feel that the state capture inquiry is very uh, looked at at a microscope because state capture is at, at a large scale starts at the very, very top. Uh, I've, I've phoned in before and I said that we have a president that's a billionaire and obviously made his billions through a capitalist system uh, that literally... Uh, uh, doesn't allow the majority of South Africans to participate in the economy. So now my question is, in this democracy, having a billionaire, who would that billionaire be loyal to? To the capitalist that mm. made him uh, a billionaire or to the people that voted him in? Thank you. Wow, that's a million-dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, your response? Yeah, that's a lot there. Yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely. So there's a couple of things. In, I, I mean, so, um, yeah, I, I think uh, in the state capture sense, um, you know, we're talking about uh, not just money, but public money. Mm. Um, you know, so these institutions aren't just, uh, you know, they're not for-profit institutions. They're not supposed to be. Um, so it's not like Nike or, or Google or something uh-uh. like that. So when they, you know, when these corruption reports come out, they're not taking money uh, from shareholders or from customers. They're taking money from the public, uh, people who pay their taxes mm. um, into those processes. So I think that's even more damaging, I think, to, uh, I think, unfortunately, we've come to grips that the for-profit companies might do something, but I think it's especially damaging to um, sort of the national psyche if we think the public enterprises are doing the same. You know, the, the ones who are, that we're paying for that are supposed to even the playing field, when, when we think that they're actually corrupt, I think that's more damaging than just for-profit companies. So would you be um, that traditional practitioner, uh, Sangoma, so to speak, and predict who is he loyal to? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I think this is the, the balancing, the, the state capture issue is, um, you know, it's primarily focused on, on the ministers. Um, and I think that that's important. I don't want to undersell mm-hmm. that the, the ministers play a key role in this. But in order for state capture to work, um, and I think we're finding this through the Zondo inquiry, um, it takes a lot of people uh, doing or not doing a lot of things. Mm. So either people taking actions to further this process or people willing to let it go or unable to stop it. Um, so I, I think there is a couple of levels to this. One is who are the ministers that they're going to put in charge? And I, yeah. I think Ramaphosa is facing some real challenges now um, because he's got to keep the ANC behind him. Yeah. Um, so that's not just a what's best for, you know, SAA or SARS or, you know, uh, whatever, ESCOM, uh, but it's also what's politically viable for him. Um, so he's got to weigh those things out. And I think the other reality is changing the people at the top is important. Mm. Um, but state capture happens not just because of them, but because of a host of other people, um, because of an institutional culture that develops that says yeah. that this is okay um, or that you can't stop it. So it, it needs to go beyond the ministers and the top people and get down into 
what kind of environment is this is, is happening in this enterprise that is enabling this behavior? So without, um, you know, going through uh, the entire lecture that you're going to give, um, Doctor, uh, just a snippet, uh, what, what would be uh, the pillars of a corrupt-proof uh, state-owned entity? So the, the pillars behind that would be uh, basically when uh, people are incentivized not to do their job of oversight. So that can be either we're including you in the deal and you get part of this, um, or it can be, as we found in some of these uh, whistleblowers who have come forward, if you get in our way, we will punish you. Either we will take your job or we'll reduce your pay or we'll leak stories about you. So um, that's a key aspect of corruption is you need to get a lot of people to either um, get on board or get out of the way. Um, and I think we're seeing a lot of that in the, in the Zondo inquiry coming out. Um, the other side of it is um, a lack of repercussions. So in this process, there needs to also be a sense that um, we can get away with this, that it's better to be involved than not be involved. Um, and when you see how many people, you know, ministers have been mixed up in this, just simply reassigned to another portfolio, mm-hmm. um, or you see people moving from job to job but not really uh, being demoted or fired, mm-hmm. um, it creates an environment where you sort of say, well, we're saying it's not okay, but yet the people involved seem to be making out okay. Uh, the SARS investigation, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name who was second in charge, but there was a, an inquiry there, and they, you know, he's putting millions into the, his bank accounts, um, and nothing happens to him. So when those things happen, it creates the, the sense that um, you know, the rules don't actually apply. Uh, and to make it bigger than that, you know, bring it back to the U.S. just for a second, if I can, mm. um, that's the environment that Trump is creating at the moment, which is, Look, the rules don't really apply. If you believe in me, if you get on board with me, then the rules don't apply. So if you're convicted of something, I'll pardon you um, or I'll make it public that the courts are tainted in some way. Um, if you're not for me, then I'm going to tell everyone you're a criminal. Um, I'm going to try to get in the way. I'm going to try to make you lose your business or lose respect. So um, it's that same environment he's trying to create there, which is if you're with me, the mm-hmm. rules don't necessarily apply. If you're against me, um, we're going to use the rules to their maximum advantage to harm you. Um, and I think that's what you've seen a lot in the, in the Zondo inquiry. And I'd like us, um, after the news break, uh, to just look a little bit on uh, the political climate. How much of that contributes to whether uh, we have stability in state-owned institutes or not? Um, or, all right, uh, we take a news break right now with Zilisaku. Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. All right, uh, taking your messages right now at SAFM Radio, and you can hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. And we also welcome your SMSs at 40938, charged at only 150 per SMS. And uh, taking your calls on 891 104 207 WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. And joining me on the line right now is Dr. Tim London, who is a senior lecturer at uh, UCT's Graduate School of Business. And we are asking a simple question. 
Is it simple, though? Is it possible to rebuild trust uh, in South African institutions? And uh, he's joining us uh, to just unpack this. And uh, we're talking about this uh, because uh, LeaderX uh, is hosting uh, center at the, the Sentin Convention Center uh, entrepreneurs, uh, CEOs and professionals um, to talk about um, the economic um, stability of our country as, as part of uh, um, amongst many other conversations. And uh, Dr. Tim Lan uh, is going to be presenting there and uh, we eavesdropping, uh, so to speak, in, into his presentation. Doctor? Yes. Yeah, before, um, yeah. yeah, I'm still here. All right. Uh, before we took an ad break, I mean, let, let's talk about uh, how do we then um, regain this trust? Right. So, I mean, this is the... Um, this is the disappointing part. There's no quick fix. Yeah. Um, I think everyone's hoping that if we can, you know, there was, there was, uh, I think they're calling it Ramaphoria. You know, we'll just get the <laughs> yeah. new president uh, and, and that'll solve uh, everything. And, yeah. and I think we're all coming to grips now that it, it's not quite so simple, not quite so easy, uh, mm-hmm. as much as we might hope. So um, I, I think one of the key things is, you know, that we'll, we'll uh, talk about today is, is around this issue of it's a long-term process mm-hmm. um, and you have to invest in it fully. So it can't be something which I think happens a lot of times with companies, but also in politics, which is uh, we make a big press release, you know, we make an announcement, um, and then we don't hear anything else about it uh, until something else goes wrong. And so I think to regain the trust, you need to say, be very clear, uh, we recognize there's an issue. Um, we're going to look into it. Here's how we're going to look into it. I think the Zondo inquiry is a, is a way forward for that. And then you need to be, and this is where most of the times it fails, whether it's in politics or for companies, is yeah. you need to lay out very clear steps forward for how we're going to deal with it. And I think most times we never get to that. So we make a big announcement, we're going to do an investigation, mm-hmm. um, and then we sort of find some stuff out, and then we go very quiet. Um, and even if things are happening that are different and better, we don't necessarily know about them. So mm. how do I trust you again if I don't know the changes that you're making? That's so, it. And if I'm not exposed to um, people who suffer consequences uh, for having made um, these uh, corrupt decisions? 100%. So, so let's say we do everything right, but if no one knows we did everything right, mm. then you know why am I going to trust you again? So we need to invest in that and, again, help people to see. I, I think anyone who's following the Zondo inquiry are realizing very very fast, mm. but um, the, the corruption scandals when they hit the newspaper are, are really easy to engage with. Here's a person, here's the amount of money they took, they've taken, and it sounds very simple and, it, and it's, uh, it's engaging. Yeah. What we're finding out is that corruption is actually really boring. You know, <laughs> that it is all of these you people get doing out all of these little things. You get caught out eventually, and that's a fact. Yeah, uh, yes, so, yes, 100%. And you sort of think, oh, I've been sitting here for hours listening to this person. But what they're telling you is how corruption works. It's not exciting. Uh, it's not interesting. And uh, I'm, and I'm just hoping... average person, they sort of check out. I'm, I'm just hoping that as we listen, um, uh, Doctor, we, we don't uh, teach others how it's done. All right, let's take Felix in, <laughs> in, in, in Nell Sprite. Good afternoon and welcome. Thank you so much for taking my call. Most welcome, Felix. Oh yes, I, I think we we place too much emphasis on policies and and uh, our institutions without actually saying that the problem is us. Is it not us that build the institution? Is it not us that destroy the institution? Mm. Is it not us that are supposed to uphold our laws and regulations? 
it is we that have a problem. It's not our institution at all. Mm. Unless we come to that reality that we will say no to corruption by ourselves. For example, who among us, how many of us can say no to 600 million rand? Like Mr. Jonas said. (laughs) How many of us can say that? Very few, I can tell you that. Exactly, that's where the problem is. Except me, Felix Nesprit, I'm willing never, never, never to be corrupted. No matter what, even if they kill me, I will not be corrupt. And except we get to that point, we will never get out of this mess. Ah, which is just tragic. And let's uh, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Felix, for that call. Uh, quickly take some of the messages as well. Sfiso Sonjika um, says greedy is hating the poor of our country. And this greedy people uh, have absolutely no regard for institutions as it were until more so-called senior people are jailed. Uh, this won't, uh, this rot won't stop. Um, another unsigned SMS. I'm not sure whether that's a name. The HR, uh, HAL. T hat um, saying ring of powers and secret mysteries of America's beginnings uh, documentaries uh, exposes rich one percent those who believe uh, they have the divine right to rule and at the root of it all uh, is corruption. Mm. Mm, All right. Uh, there's also a, a text message about uh, since when do, um, I think it's an SMS, since when do presenters uh, able to pass their bias opinion, uh, like uh, with uh, Mr. Trump now, with Jacob Zuma in our ranks. Uh, what a cheek you have, Chris Alda. Imagine if I had no opinion and I was a talk show host. Gosh, it would, would be, be so gone, boring. It? Goodness, <laughs> go with the program. <laughs> Presenting has changed. You must have an opinion to do what I do. And uh, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate that. Uh, now, let, as we conclude, so what, what do we look forward to? Um, are, are there any seats still available for those who would like to participate at uh, the LeaderX? Uh, is it a conference? Is it a summit? It's, uh, they call it a conference, but I think it's fairly open. So it's, it's running all day. I think it finishes tonight around 7 or something like that. Okay. Um, I don't know if tickets, I, I know tickets are still available. I don't know if they get cheaper on the day, uh, <laughs> but people can look at the website at RederX. Um, and I think they have a contact number as well. Um, okay. But it's been very busy today, which is always great to, uh, to see so many people engaging. Um, yeah, so it's been good. I, I encourage people to come. Uh, my biggest challenge is um, there's so many people that I want to listen to and, and hear what they're talking about. Um, if you get there, you'll see that it's just crammed full of presenters um, who are all doing these really dynamic uh, talks on different issues. So mm. uh, it's quite a great place. It's like a, like a circus of, of uh, presenters. So it's kind of fun. Here's what captured me from what you said, uh, that unless scandal-ridden companies ask themselves how they can rebuild their organizational structures and reestablish their values and align their focus uh, with those of their workforce and surrounding communities, they're unlikely to regain their trust. A hundred percent. And your caller, uh, Mr. Name, there was a hundred percent right. It comes down Felix, to yeah. So, you, I mean, the challenge for us is, you know, are we creating an environment where people are encouraged to, to do good or we're creating an environment where it's easier for them to do bad. And, you know, it's, uh, we have a lot of evidence from psychology studies that uh, if you put people in a bad enough situation, they'll do some pretty bad things. Um, so, again, one of the keys is let's help our people be good. 
They sure. want to be good. I think, you know, I used to be a primary school teacher. I never <laughs> met a kid who wanted to be bad. Absolutely. But they grow up. Everyone and somehow they, they become these people who are uh, doing these terrible things. So it's the environment. How do we create an environment to encourage them to be their best selves? That's why we're here as SAFM Radio leading the conversation. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you very much for joining us. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. That's uh, Dr. Tim London, who is Senior Lecturer at UCT Graduate School of Business. And uh, we continue the conversation on different uh, platforms. And I guess uh, we can just cherish the day when people uh, speak to life in all of us. Yes, Shadi.